1: Francesca Kuhl is a nutritionist out of the United Kingdom. She runs a program called The Kitchen Detox, which focuses on health, food, nutrition, all of those good things. I wanted to have Francesca on because she believes that a hunter-gatherer lifestyle is something that really fits with who we are as humans. And I wanted to get her take on hunting, whether she's a hunter. She is not yet. And I just wanted to have a good conversation with someone outside of our circles that actually has a positive opinion on hunting and what hunting does for our mental state and more specifically the nutrition that we put in our bodies. So enjoy. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting.
2: It brings awareness to to non-hunters that it's it's more than just killing animals.
0: How do I start it?
1: Brittany My name name (laughs)
0: Does my hair look okay? It's fantastic
1: My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. (laughs) Raxon, you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Mm. there's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a, a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. So I think one of the coolest things about this podcast is We have people from all over the world. It's not just a random, hey, let's meet hunters from America type podcast. Uh, We have people (laughs) from all over the world and all sorts of backgrounds, all sorts of diversities, and all sorts of accents.
3: Yeah. And that is the beauty, isn't it, of these things? I've just been speaking to a guy in Texas, and um, I speak to a lady in Turkey. and These are your clients? Uh, Some clients and some I've been I've been hopping on a few of these recently, just doing some podcasts and just getting used to navigating social media a bit more. It's not it's not where I'm most comfortable, but um, these things are necessary sometimes when you're kind of wanting to spread what you're passionate about and talk to people with different angles and things. It's it's really interesting. So I'm enjoying it so far.
1: Well, you better get used to it because it's not going away anytime soon.
3: <laughs> no, no, you're right.
1: And it is only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. So, um, yeah. yeah. And the world's smaller than you think nowadays. You know, connecting. I, you know, I was talking to my mom, who was Australia, who lived in South Africa. And she got a phone call through the landline. Yeah. And yes, that did used to exist um, from her mother. You know, once a week kind of stuff. Yeah. And it was super expensive to call. Yeah. And now it's FaceTime that literally doesn't cost a cent or That's WhatsApp it. video, you know, and you can talk to people all over the world. You can see their faces, like we can see each other. It's an amazing world.
3: It is. It is. My mum still has like the brick, <laughs> the brick zone. <laughs> um, and she refuses to kind of move on into the age of technology for all of the kind of health reasons and yeah but that's her and I do I think there's benefits to both but I'm certainly I'm certainly embracing the positives right now So well, good
1: for her good yeah. for her but even though we have all of these technology technological advancements have all these things going around in our world making
2: things more efficient more effective whatnot. there's still one thing Francesca, that is core. Yeah. That will never change. Right? I agree. And what is that? So,
3: we are, as humans, I believe that we have evolved far away from what is best for us, you know often people are searching for like...
1: We've evolved pe- our lifestyles away from that or ourselves? Yeah.
3: yeah, I think, well, a bit of both, really. Um, you know, in my in my role as a nutritionist, I'm talking to people about what I believe to be the proper human diet. And, you know, many people will say that they've found this and there's going to be unique nuances for everybody and i think you know certainly different people according to their existing health uh you know and several other factors need to take slightly different approaches but essentially we have evolved away from what is a pro- is the proper human condition and the proper human diet we yeah. because of this advancement in technology and the way you know mass media government pharmaceutical industries fast food chains supermarkets all of these things are in my opinion robbing us of our health and our and how we are meant to live as human beings we've we've lost the hunter gatherer mentality and lifestyle we you know i i see lots of wonderful people managing to um have a, a homestead you know often that will be out in the US and i don't know if you've got any around you people managing to kind of grow their own and have a you know maybe a small farm or you know live that way mm-hmm. but it's becoming harder and harder and often these people are under immense attack from from government and s- certain other institutions that just do not want us to return to that way of living yeah. And yep. I think that I think that that is awful and it's done such damage to us as human beings and so the last few years I've been kind of looking at you know what what is really best for us nutritionally how our ancestors did it and you know what was the nutritional benefit of of living that way and you know, uh what benefits that wild meats and game game meats have as opposed to um, you know, the meat that we might buy today. Um and also looking at the huge disconnect that's happened with buying food in packages ready to go. You know, I because I came from a school environment, um I, I had a career kind of within childcare. Um I I realised that there was a huge portion of children who would buy food in the supermarkets with their parents and have absolutely no idea. Headphone. <laughs> um, they had absolutely no idea where their food came from. You know, they're buying these packaged meat and having no idea that that food came from an animal. Um, so.
1: Well, Francesca cool. I messed it up. I even wrote it down properly. (laughs) It's okay. I got it right. Francesca Kuehl.
3: Well done. Welcome
1: to the podcast. Welcome to the Blood Origins podcast. Um, Pleasure to be here. Thank
3: you. I may have to
1: quit this podcast now because you're telling me that the Big Mac that I love to eat is not ideal for you, Robbie.
3: It's not ideal (laughs) for you, Robbie. (laughs) I'm so sorry.
2: So give me your background. Did you, um, were you raised in a sort of nutritional
1: household? And when I say nutritional household, was it just your standard English household or were your parents vegan, vegetarian? Were they thoughtful? You know, give me that some of that little bit of the context here.
3: I actually had two kind of polar opposite (laughs) parents. So my mum and dad separated when I was very young. Um, but my mom, my mom was born in India. She was raised in India till she was seventeen, and then came back to England. So there was obviously a very stark difference <laughs> in her upbringing, and she took a lot from, you know, her her beginning in India and brought that into the family mm-hmm. home. Uh, my dad was a typical bachelor. He okay. lived lived on his own for the majority of my my life, and. I would kind of go between two parents um, and he ate what I would call just a beige diet. So I think he knew how to cook kind of three things and it was all very kind of what he called traditional English grub, like pie, um, pasta. Bangers and mash. Yeah, very, very bland beige food. The meat that we did get was probably not very good quality. yes and then he had a few health concerns not not anything major but um i've watched the stark difference and my mom was the other end of the scale she had a very big thing about bringing kind of chemicals into the house she would make all her own cleaning products yeah. and use essential oils everything was cooked from scratch um We would very rarely do kind of like a supermarket shop. It would be local farm shops or
2: Mm -hmm. little
3: places that were growing their own. Um, And meat was quality meat, grass-fed as opposed opposed to grain-fed. I knew that quite early on in my life compared to many people that just don't think about these things. Um, And unfortunately, because of like more of social pressures and um you know, just my own growing up i navigated more towards like my dad's just my dad's house because um my mom lived in the middle of the woods and it was quite cut off and my dad was kind of in the town so i spent more time with my dad to just socialize and be with my friends from high school and college and things like that it was just more accessible and i noticed the effects that those foods started to have on me so i was um I had a I've had a very um rare thyroid condition i was um I was diagnosed with that at a young age. Uh, I, they believe that I've had it since birth, so um I have th- half a thyroid gland and some ectopic tissue that kind of floats around in my neck. So mm-hmm. for anyone that doesn't know, the thyroid is uh, a gland that sits in the sort of front of your neck, and it's a butterfly shape. And um, it is like the engine for many, many processes within the body, and it can control your metabolism, the, your hormones, has a huge link with your adrenal glands and your sex hormones and all of this. Uh, so it was it was quite a, a difficult journey navigating that. I put on weight very quickly as a young teenage girl. And... Um, Because I didn't know really much at that time about proper nutrition, Um, my condition was only being fed by kind of carbohydrates and a lot of refined processed food that lots of young college students live on. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, and it just made my symptoms much, much worse. And um along the way I lost my gallbladder I had a often um, people that suffer with thyroid disorders can uh, uh, increase their risk of a gallbladder dysfunction or um, gallbladder stones and so again not knowing any better I had gallbladder surgery and had my gallbladder taken out Mm. Um, so I've had quite a, a long journey but it's taught me so much and my entry into nutrition the kind of puzzle pieces started to come together later on in my life after i'd had one of my children i've now got two children but after my daughter i really really started to think about food and my passion for nutrition really started to grow um and this was also at a time where i was working in a school for special needs children so boys with um Kind of severe learning difficulties and behavioral issues um, and there i noticed that there was a huge connection it compounded everything that i had already been learning about and um, i noticed that sugar and gluten particularly um were purely um these conditions and I would have little conversations with the teachers and also some of the parents at a time where I probably shouldn't have been having these conversations, but I was so passionate about it that I wanted to share. And so the ones that listened to me actually really, really went to town with removing sugar from their um, children's lives. And the change was phenomenal. Um, So I'm talking boys that could not, sit down for more than a couple of minutes they were assaulting staff smashing windows um, and you know extreme extreme behaviors and we were we were used to that as a staff team we were restraint trained and we had to um, I went home with black eyes on several occasions and it was a harsh environment um but I genuinely believe that this is you know this is no fault of The children and sometimes not even the parents yes some of them had really difficult home lives but we all too quickly in the case of things like mental health and um you know behavioral issues we will so often say that sentence you know oh you know it's the parents the parents are to blame and it's got it's got to be something to do with the parenting or something and Actually, many, many times it's to do with the dietary choices and things that may have happened. And I believe, as a society, we've been conditioned in this way to believe that we should be eating all these processed foods, and we, you know, we're just lining the pockets of people who who want to
2: mm-hmm.
3: earn a earn a quick buck out of our poor health, basically.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm.
3: But yeah, so I. I then I left that environment, I left that school because the school was academized, and they brought in a whole new staff team, and I was actually forced to, to leave my job, um, then because they, they dropped my salary, and I just thought, well, you know, some things just happen for a reason." And I bit the bullet and I, I carried on my, um, my dream, really. I, the kitchen detox was born and that's my business name and um i'd already completed a short diploma course but i continued my education um alongside trying to build the business um and that was all through covid uh, the beginning of covid so it was incredibly hard um with two children of my own and being a single parent i i was very concerned that i'd made the wrong decision at some point along the way but um i stuck to it and And here we are, I'm now two years down the line and I've seen sort of lots and lots of, I've had the opportunity to work with lots of people that have transformed their lives through um, nutrition and lifestyle changes. Amazing, amazing. So let me ask
1: this question. You mentioned earlier in sort of our general intro, hunter-gatherer
2: lifestyle is something that fits with what you're preaching, right? Yes. So, did you, what was your, did you, did you grow up with a perception around hunting, hunters?
3: My, no, to be honest with you, I didn't think much about it. Okay, just a neutral,
1: maybe not even, didn't even have an opinion.
3: Yeah, I I knew that I had to, um, I knew I, I was thinking about where my food came from. More than the average person. So I've always lived in a f- kind of wooded area in the countryside. Um, um, so it I've been lucky to be very connected to nature. And so often there would be deer in the front garden. And I, you know, when I was growing up as a child, I would go and visit farms. And so I was very much having conversations that maybe other people my age weren't having Um, and when I would visit these farms you know the farmers would happily like pass a baby lamb into my arms and I've actually taken my own children to have this same experience where um, the farmer would just be like okay here's the picture of the baby lamb and here's the baby lamb here's my dinner (laughs) and and you know that is a sad lesson sometimes and a painful lesson for children to learn but I think it's essential mm-hmm. like to we have no appreciation for from for where our food comes from we've got this total disconnect and I hear women particularly I I know many people may not like me saying this it may seem quite sexist but I think women particularly can say oh you know if i saw a deer slaughtered or i saw a cow taken to slaughter you know that's it for me i've had enough i'm not eating meat and you know they laugh about that sometimes i've heard podcasts recently where women will happily say you know oh yeah i saw a deer killed at you know dead at the side of the road and they don't need to they died unnaturally so they'd been knocked down by a car but then that was enough to make them question eating meat and for me that's there's something so wrong in that and that and we've come so far away we've become domesticated as human beings following the kind of domestication of animals so we've got this huge loop of dysfunction mm-hmm. that is just feeding poor health right and feeding a a mindset that is totally unhealthy so um, you
1: you you are completely okay you Let me ask this a basic question. Do you hunt yourself?
3: No, this is why I want to learn. This is how I've become in touch with you. So I know that you know I've the closest I've come to hunting is looking through a scope of a gun at an animal with the with the gun pointed at the animal. and moments after that the animal was shot. So I was in that environment, I saw, you know, I was able to witness that happen. I wasn't the one to pull the trigger. However, I felt that, I felt what it was like
2: to look through, you know, that,
3: whatever it, the scope yeah, and, um, and, and question whether I would be able to do that.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and I think that that's a healthy thing. And I, I so since that experience, my my inquisitive mind has only grown more curious about this process, and I've been really wanting to kind of add this
2: to my Your repertoire. repertoire. Yeah, yeah, exactly,
1: repertoire. Um, what about it? What about the hunter-gatherer lifestyle, the, the diet itself, is so good for us?
3: So the profile of game meat, particularly and wild meat, um, is much much healthier for for two reasons. One, it's just naturally its whole life eating its um, its proper diet. So you will see that many times in um, you know mass production and farmers that are providing to supermarkets and you know in this era that we we live in, where it's kind of grain fed animals mostly. You have to really look for grass fed. And Animals. you're making that
1: distinction. Now, we're not attacking agriculture here. You're just saying that there's a difference between grass-fed and grain-fed, and grass-fed typically are. There's a lot of really, really good farmers, good agricultural people that do the right yes. thing. That, yes,
3: absolutely.
2: Hmm.
3: Yeah, and i I love I love farming and everything it stands for, and I think that they need more support to continue practicing in the proper you know in the right way and I would I would always question the mass production side of things because that is a miserable life for say you know a cow who has its head constantly over a bucket of its improper diet uh, you know packed together closely packed together animals and you know because of that because they are not eating their their proper diet and because they're so closely packed together they are susceptible to disease like we are you know when we stop eating our proper human diet we become susceptible to disease and poor health in the same way that happens to animals you see it happens to happen to domesticated dogs and cats and all these things they start getting human diseases and that happens in livestock too you know so they have to put this then dump load of antibiotic into the food and we're taking on some of that when we eat the meat. So re- I, the import- importance of buying grass-fed as opposed to grain-fed is significant in, in my mind. And okay, if you are eating you know, a couple of grain-fed burgers a week or you're having a bit of steak that's grain-fed as opposed to grass-fed infrequently i don't think that's going to do a huge amount if you're getting a lot of good nutrition um alongside that you're not you know eating a lot of inflammatory processed, highly palatable junk alongside your grain fed meat um but yeah going back to the farming and the why wild animals are are better for us it's simply that they are they are untouched by the um this industry and so they're eating their diet i'm sorry um and so they have a much better um fatty acid profile um so their ratios of omega-3 to omega-6 is much better and um so that is much, much better for us. So omega-3 is kind of anti-inflammatory as opposed to having a higher ratio of omega-6 and omega-9, which is pro-inflammatory. <laughs> um, so you will get this lovely ratio um, in, in wild-fed meats. And um, yeah, its fatty acid profile is much, much better. In fact, um, I think they did a study on um, wild meat and why, um, when people were embarking on eating a higher proportion of wild meat, um, they actually had much better results on their lipid profile. So that's a particular set uh, blood test, a set of blood tests which you can do, which analyzes your risk of disease and um, certain conditions, um, certain metabolic um, conditions. Um, so it will measure things like cholesterol and triglycerides and things like that. And people's markers had much improved by having um, more kind of wild game mm-hmm. meat in particular in, in their diet.
1: Yeah, it's, a, you know, it's one of the ideas, it's one of the things that we constantly talk about when we talk about hunting and the need for hunting or the reason why people hunt. Food is, is a central tenant to that thing. Whether you want to know where the food came from, whether you want to know how the animal died, um, whether you wanna know that you're the only hands that touch that meat. You know, there's there's a lot of other elements beyond the health component yeah. of the meat yeah, of that course. we're very, very, very interested in.
2: And it's uh you know, it's it's almost You know, when you take a step back, food could arguably be the fundamental thing, now I'm getting a little philosophical, but could be the fundamental thing that is needed to be human.
3: Yeah, I would agree with you. Well, I think movement as well, so hunting combines movement and essential nutrition together so and that you know I when I embark on a uh, a consultation with somebody it's not just a kind of hours session my advice extends far beyond that usually and kind of we have a forward back conversation for quite a while and it because it is an entire lifestyle change so you can change the nutrition element of things but I, I often advise that it's like a big puzzle. So you might leave out kind of another set of lifestyle factors and leave those factors unchanged and see much slower progress with the nutrition aspect. And, you know, your health may take slightly longer to improve. Yes, food can do a huge amount to drive the healing process and I totally believe in all of those things that are said, you know, food is medicine and food is love and, you know, food is sharing with your family, all of those things. But we often will think about that alone. And then we neglect the movement aspect. We neglect the the sleep and the blue light and the, you know, toxic chemicals that we bring into our houses every single day. And That can really, really slow things down. Um, So, again, these are things that don't really come into the hunting world, but they do come into how we've evolved um, far away from how our ancestors were doing things. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah.
1: Francesca, you haven't hunted yet yourself. No, I haven't. Um,
2: But have you had conversations with people? that do not hunt that may
1: be interested in the health side of food that you've had to have a conversation with them about hunting have you had that experience yet maybe not
3: um not obviously not with any knowledge behind me like you said I I want to be able to have this experience so that I can talk from more experience and experience comes from from years and years of doing something but I think that you can put a lot more weight behind a conversation when you've actually um gone through uh, a training process and a and a um an experience from start to finish so I've definitely been speaking to my clients and it's come up several times about the importance of maybe incorporating some wild Um, meat into their diet and why that would be more beneficial than even say grass-fed beef and things like that but sometimes the the nutrient value can kind of um really outweigh that of other things and you know even wild caught fish wild anything will be better so i have Mm -hmm. those conversations with my clients um quite frequently but i was put in touch with um well actually do we we actually just mutually kind of connected on um social media um a guy that you know as well um and he he does hunting i don't know how long he's been doing it for um his name is nick i believe um but he we share the passion for a kind of carnivorous lifestyle um in eating a very animal based um diet so we were We've been chatting for quite some time and because he does hunting, I reached out to him and said, um, I would really, really like to learn. And so he put me in touch with, with you and several others and said, you know, the community is really open to welcoming mm-hmm. those who want to learn. So, so here I am.
1: <laughs> yeah. And what I would suggest is um, we just released a podcast. Uh, when this release will be a couple of weeks ago, um, but with a guy called Arthur Heatherbridge, and he runs an organization called The Wild Order, in which wow, they okay. teach you soup to nuts, how to hunt, and then the most important part about The Wild Order is that they take you on a hunt, because they have areas to hunt, and then... Yeah. From there, it's almost the opportunity continues based on relationships, based on people, and they'll shepherd you through all the things that you need, specifically in the UK, to fulfill what you want to fulfill, which is taking, harvesting, bringing home your own meat.
3: And um, I'm interestingly going to be learning some butchery skills at a farm um, quite close to where I live, so that was obviously a very… Very useful element to have um, alongside, you know, the, the, the hunting and learning how to hunt. I was going to ask you actually that: how traditional are the the ways in which you kill animals? How kind of are you teaching any really, really traditional ways of hunting? Well, or no, is it it's all, all
1: the it's all it's all. Like we don't teach hunting, right? That's not what Blood Origins does. Blood Origins is all about pushing content and narrative around the perceptions of hunting, okay, the perceptions yeah. of hunters, and changing those perceptions, changing changing, you know, why we do what we do. And this conversation is point number one. Yes. You, know, you talk about food, yeah. you talk about nutrition, you talk about health. Those are all elements of why people hunt. Yeah. But unfortunately, out in the mass media, out in the, in the, in the anti-hunting sentiment, and you, and you proved it, like in the non-hunting majority, I would say a lot of the people in the non-hunting majority don't have an opinion yeah. one way or another on hunting. But if they did, and we needed them to be pro-hunting, I would hope that messages like ours, content like ours that gets pushed out there. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense versus yeah. the 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 v- sort of vitriol that we get from, you know, some idiots posting some really disrespectful
2: stuff tied to
1: hunting. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So how often do you come across people that are doing this or embarking on this as Lots. a you know, for the wrong reasons though?
1: Um, I don't know what the wrong reasons would be because a lot of people that are embarking on hunting are your age my age and the curiosity behind it is not um, there's no malintent because you're doing it for different reasons once I think the malintent comes in when you're a teenager yeah and you're in this like cycle of doing different things and running with some, you know, running with a crew that, you know, you, you want to be belligerent, you want to be, you know, risky and you do things that are dumb yeah. versus people that come to it late in life. You're doing it for different reasons. For you, it's for the food. For someone yeah. else, it's an, uh, an ability to be able to provide. You know, COVID did a number on a lot of people and people are interested in understanding, well, shit, if If there's no food in the grocery stores, I can get my own food, and I want to know that skill. Yeah. Um, Others are a sense of adventure, right, or a sense of community. They don't really have a community. They want to get involved in the community, you know, all sorts of different reasons. But to your question about traditions, people will choose to hunt however they feel fits their personality is the best way I can say it. I am a modern gun kind of hunter, um, but I have a bow, and Finger. I enjoy bow hunting, but yeah, I'm not a bow hunter, but there are people that are bow hunters. And then in the bow hunting realm, you have people that are like, mm, I want to make it even more of a challenge. I want to connect deeper with what maybe my roots were and are longbow hunters, right? Wow. And then you get within 15 yards of an animal and then to them, you can go even one step further, which is, well, I'm going to build my own bow and I'm going to build my own arrows and I'm going to get as primitive, quote unquote, as I want or
2: I can.
3: Yeah. But that's See, all that's, personality I would love, driven. I would love to do, to do that. And um, I think the bow would be something I would love to learn um probably more than shooting um but yeah it's interesting you say that everybody most people you see come at this for the right reason and that's really fantastic but the one concern that i have is because of this obsession that we've got with technology and the amount of um even grown men that seem to be gaming well on into their 30s, 40s, like behind the PlayStation, like yeah, playing, yeah, yeah, shooting games and stuff. It's like how much is that affecting the mindset and distorting? And often I think the risk is far removed because many of these people aren't living an active lifestyle and it's come into their lives because they are maybe more sedentary and mm-hmm. they're set up with their job and you know, so that's become a release. But then say somebody gives them the opportunity to kind of put down the remote control and come and start doing something. Yes, that's a very positive thing, but are they going to take the process from beginning to end? Are they going to actually sit down and appreciate that meal with all the people that have helped them, you know, that really has the appreciation for what they have done? Um, mm-hmm. By kind of hunting their own food, and it, yeah, it's
1: definitely a, a strong lifestyle choice, um, and it's very difficult to get into. There are certainly large barriers of entry, specifically in the UK access, yeah, understanding what are the regs, how do you understand it. But there's lots of people again, like Arthur and the Wild Order, that are trying to take those away and make it accessible and especially again in the uk there's a class-based system right that you know really rich people the only people that hunt versus the lower class um but one thing that i that came into my brain as you were talking about like the bow hunting component there's a lady who's probably one of the well best female bow hunters in the world that nobody knows about her name is anna vorsek she's out of alaska and uh Vorsek, V-O-R-I-S-E-K. And I've interviewed her in a video format. And what she said that she really loved about bow hunting is how close she could get to the animal. Yeah. And she talked about like seeing their eyelashes. And then she talked about seeing like them individually pooping, like little pellets coming out. Like she can see the individual pellets. And to her that's what she she wanted she wanted to be up close and personal with that animal um, before deciding that she was going to take its life um, so yeah no I'm excited for you
3: um, thank, you. thank you I will keep you updated with my journey definitely yeah no. do
1: it uh, hopefully and the us... next
3: time I will be much more experienced and
1: <laughs> well yeah. it's don't you know hunting is a Hunting is a lifestyle. It's a journey. Yeah. Right. You'll never be, quote unquote, experienced in it. You just continually learn, continually learn, continually learn. Yeah. And, um, but we appreciate people like you that don't come from a hunting background that bring something else to the table.
2: Thank you. That would, you know, shine a positive light on yeah. the activity of hunting.
3: Well, that's yeah, I'm I'm really happy to be here. And if I can help spread that message, um, well I'm gonna I'm gonna keep shouting about it anyway. And um it very much, you know, what you just said, that it's a lifestyle that overlaps with what I'm already doing, you know. Mm-hmm. I always I I say to everybody the human body is an a never ending study and it's always good we're always going to be finding out more and more and more and things are always going to be evolving and anything that people embark on nutritionally has to be a lifestyle, not a fad diet. <laughs> um, so, yeah, in the same way, I completely appreciate how hunting is a lifestyle and it, uh, it needs to be viewed as that. So, yeah.
2: Well, um, don't forget especially in the social media world that we live in, that
1: when you embark on this journey and when you are successful and when you
2: get that animal, don't be afraid to post about it, but also be very thoughtful about how you post, what you post, and always
1: keep the center of it around why you decided to undertake the activity.
3: That's great advice. Thank you. And when you say be thoughtful about how you post, have you got any kind of, any tips on...
1: I would express your heart. You've got a heart in the window behind you. I would express your heart. And however that comes across, is that just you taking a photo of your hand on the animal? Is it you from a distance looking at the animal? Is it the classic trophy shot? I don't know. You will have to
2: decide what what represents that moment for you. Yeah. But keep it respectful.
1: Keep it, and I know you will, so it's just...
3: Absolutely. It's, yeah.
1: it's just conveying that. How do you convey what you're feeling the respect that you have, the gratitude that you have, all of those things, how do you convey that through a digital medium, which is the social media? And know very straight up off the bat that you're going to have people that do not
2: agree. Oh, yes. And instead of shutting them down, have a conversation with them.
3: Yeah. I'm very used to people that don't agree, but I've managed to keep the kind of grace and empathy and everything kind of slowing. And um, yeah, yeah. But thank you. It's been a pleasure to chat. And your please, has been wonderful. And um, hopefully my, my input, even though I've got this annoying <laughs> earbud and these tiny ears that don't accommodate, um, I hope my uh, little input has somehow been useful to some of your listeners, so... Oh,
1: well, we appreciate you, Francesca. Oh,
3: thank you. Thank you.
1: Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth
0: around hunting. You want to succeed, you want to fish, you want to be one of the greatest. Oh! Tune in to West Marine's Life on the Water. Presented by Costa Custom Boats. Every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Oh, that's awesome. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.